1: That is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem.
2: I speak tonight for the dignity of man.
0: Yeah. No matter how long I do this show, I still get a kick out of that intro. Well, the leaders of France and the United States share at least one characteristic. They are certainly different, but they are both enigmas. Donald Trump ran against the institutional Republican Party and won. Emmanuel Macron ran outside the institutional parties altogether and won. Of course, there are major differences between them. One of the two speaks English very well. The other is known for a remarkably limited vocabulary. French President Emmanuel Macron came to Washington in April and seemed to kindle a bromance with Donald Trump. And right after that, when they were buddy-buddy, he spoke to Congress and ripped many of Trump's policies in that speech, which impressed a lot of people. A few weeks prior to that meeting, along with British Prime Minister Theresa May, the French president joined with Trump in a one-time missile launch into Syria in response to the alleged use of gas against his own people by Syrian President Assad, all of which sparked my curiosity as to who is this new guy, this Emmanuel Macron? Here to shed light into the topic is Cheryl R. Schwenninger, who is founding director of the World Economic Roundtable, a nonprofit group that helps investors and policymakers understand changes occurring in the world economy. Cheryl, thanks so much for being with us on Keeping Democracy Alive.
1: Thank you, Bert, for inviting me.
0: Well, Cheryl also serves as a senior editorial advisor to the Private Debt Project, and a senior policy analyst to the Climate Leadership Conference. Climate? What's that? <laughs> at least one of them knows. From 2007 to 2016, he was director of New America's Economic Growth Program, which developed uh, an economic growth strategy aimed at strengthening the productive economy through a program of expanded public investment, revised trade relations, and onshoring of jobs and investment. Sounds good to me. He's a founding board member of and an advisor to the EU RIM Policy and Investment Council, a European organization concerned with energy and regional security issues. Mr. Schweninger writes and speaks frequently on questions relating to the U.S. and world economy on issues related to American foreign policy and international Economic strategy, and we are still part of the international economy, no matter what our alleged president says. All right, again, thanks for being with us. Who is Emmanuel Macron, and what is this party, La République en Marche?
1: Well, you described Macron as an enigma. I think what is en- enigmatic about Macron is how he pulled off one of the great Houdini acts or one of the great con jobs Whatever. or one of the great betrayals, depending on your perspective, in French politics or political history or perhaps in the history of any any Western democracy. Macron was, was a member of the Socialist Party, became Deputy Secretary General uh, in the Holon government in May 2012, mm. and then was later appointed Minister of the Economy and Finance, and also had some responsibility for industry and digital affairs in 2014 in the second uh, pri- government of Prime Minister Vali. And during that period, uh, Macron championed um, many of the same reforms that he's putting forward currently as as president reforms that were not particularly popular the first set of reforms were pushed through uh, through an extraordinary uh, parliamentary procedure that sort of um, uh, defied, uh, you know, the best of sort of French democracy. No. And the second, uh, more uh, uh, radical um, market-oriented reforms, which was known as Macron II, were eventually sort of rejected by by Hollande and Lee, and that caused... Uh, a certain amount of tension, uh, which led to to Macron uh, having set up his En Marche um, movement, uh, leaving leaving the government in what um, Francois Hollande, the French president right. at the time, called one of the great acts of betrayal in mm-hmm. in, in, in French history. So, so Macron was a very well known, therefore, government. Unlike Trump, who had no government experience, uh, Macron was an experienced government official, a high minister in in Hollande's government, and many people blame him for for uh, part of the disastrous economic performance of France or some of the tensions that were created. between 2014 and 2016, before before he, he left, so again, mm-hmm. what is mystery? A mystery is how he pulled this off. This, his reinvention. I mean, mm-hmm. this is almost a Hollywood or American story of how he reinvented himself from being a a well known, not particularly well liked. Um, uh, Minister of the Economy and Finance, who was pushing forward what were not terribly popular reforms, was able to translate then his leaving government into a great act of political independence and and write it to to the to the presidency uh, in May two
0: thousand seventeen. Wow, interesting. So he was not really all that well-liked. Gosh, who does that remind me of? And somehow managed to pull it off anyway. (laughs) But at least he had a lot of experience. And he's a young guy, right? He's like... He's he's just 40 40
1: years old, and so he became a a minister. He was 39 when he was running for president. He was 38 when he founded uh, the Marsh... uh, Uh Movement and uh, and he was uh, uh, just uh, thirty six when he became minister of the economy and and wow. finance. His, his popularity did increase after he um, did leave the the Hollande government was was very you know unpopular so towards the end. Yeah. Um, and and um, Macron did actually. Was able to improve his standing and popularity by leaving leaving a uh-huh. disastrous government. What what I don't think was fully appreciated is one of the reasons why the government wasn't terribly successful were were some of the um, policies and and ideas that Macron had been pushing yeah. uh, the government to adopt and did adopt, although it didn't. Um, adopt the full suite of kind of uh, far-reaching reforms that he had in mind in in 2015 and 16.
0: So so wait, so the government adopted... Let me see if I got this right. The government adopted many of his economic policies, and that made the Hollande government unpopular. And yet, is that right? Right, or there there, is something?
1: right, there may have been... There were other reasons why the Hollande uh, government wasn't particularly... Particularly popular, um, it didn't seem to be particularly uh, confident or competent, and uh, so all the blame shouldn't be laid on uh-huh. the unsuccessful and and Hollande himself in the previous uh, under the f- previous um, minister of e- economy and finance had. Had had pursued policies such as the increase in the wealth tax, etc., ah. the 35-hour week that some economists blame for some of France's underperformance in that in that period, but that's subject to you know I think yeah. that's subject to debate and disagreement.
0: I can imagine so. I mean, a 35-hour working work week. I frankly I can see that. Uh, you know people might be more productive if they 're you know less stressed on the job, but America, hey, we thrive on stress if you 're not working all the time, something 's not right uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it was rather strange that the thirty five hour week that that Holland introduced early on in his government uh, became such a um, lightning rod of criticism. Hmm. Given also that that you know France has a, like many European economies at that time and still does had a very high unemployment rate, so you would have thought oh, right, that right. that um, and, and act, but actually a, a reasonably high level of productivity um, yeah. in, in some ways higher productivity than Germany. Hmm. Wow. So uh, you could have uh, argued that the thirty-five hour work week was a, actually a way of of um, you know, creating creating more more jobs as well, sure. or lowering unemployment because
2: more uh, companies
1: and yeah. the government would need to bring in Absolutely. more people to uh, if people weren't working forty hours, uh, it might result in some increased job job opportunities as well.
0: I would think it it might. I, I kind of like the idea. If you just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. You're listening to Keeping Democracy Alive. Our guest is Cheryl R. Schweninger, founding director of the World Economic Roundtable. We're talking about Macron, the enigma, the hope, perhaps. Who the heck is this Macron that, that uh, landed with such a splash in Washington? And I want to talk about his place in in Europe as well. According to some analysts, Macron's political stance has been associated with What's been called third way policies advocated by such people as Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, and Gerhard Schroeder of Germany. Now these are all past leaders who are somewhat I think sullied by their mixed record. but but how accurate is that? is it Is it kind of a third way policy? and how does that play in Europe in general? Does that make him a a leader in this stuff?
1: Uh, right. Well, third way is a, a a I think a kinder way of saying neoliberal policies, which which um, are are generally um, very favorable to to capital and less favorable to workers. Are very favorable mm-hmm. to trying to advance the economy through supply side measures. Um, and and not fully attentive to the to the problems of of global competition on on the one hand, or or the inadequacy of demand as a result of of um, the imbalance between uh, supply and demand and and the the power of power of capital, in mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, France has been somewhat of a holdout of, of in terms of moving towards the full embrace of the neoliberal option, and and the U.S., Britain, and Germany um, all pursued neoliberal uh, policies in the um, uh, earlier than France. So, in some ways, France has been. Um, Therefore, disadvantaged because it hasn't followed some of the not big enough to be sufficiently independent of the European or Mm -hmm. international economic logic or order, um, but uh, not pursuing the the same kind of policies to suppress. labor wages you know fell behind competitively to some degree mm. and also trapped into a, the eurozone where it's mm. not able to to pursue its own fiscal and monetary policies uh, one can sympathize with with um, macron's dilemma and indeed france's dilemma because because in some ways France is trapped within a a um, the logic of the eurozone now, especially now that Germany has become a a chronicle current account surplus, low lower wage export economy uh, that has um, that has um, also um, suppressed. Uh, not only German demand, but European demand, in some ways, France is trapped within a neoliberal framework, both um, globally and and, and, and um, yeah, in Europe. Europe-wide. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to be pro-European and not be pro-neoliberal uh, in many respects, given the dominance of the neoliberal framework. And therefore, you could argue that Macron had solved it France and he had no choice but to pursue uh, the kind of uh-huh. labor market reforms and fiscal discipline and cutting cutting wealth and 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 uh, company corporate uh, taxes that that were, and and trying to trim back uh, public spending and public services that uh-huh. he had no choice because that logic is is dictated the, the the logic and to be a European the yes. the 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 logic um, would be if you were um, you know trying to pull France toward in a nationalist direction that oh. divide Europe and divide mm-hmm. sort of neoliberal European global capitalism but that's not where many of the French establishment nor um, nor many actually French. Citizens are who want to be European, so one can sympathize with macron's dilemma um, and in saying that in some ways he didn't have much of a much of a choice um, uh, or much of a choice within the current framework he could have worked to try to change the framework
0: wow, interesting because I don't have a lot of knowledge of French politics that's for sure, but my sense is there has been a traditional strong left in france for for quite some time and you know they've taken to the streets we we often hear about this strike or that strike uh and i wonder how that as you describe i think being trapped by the european economy what does that how does that affect the traditional left uh in in france and 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 where where is I mean we, the term socialist party you know means one thing in America but in Europe it tends to be I think fairly uh, traditional and not particularly left really, but what about his relations with the traditional socialist party and and the labor unions which are pretty strong in France?
1: Uh, right. Well, well, France in that uh, sense is somewhat of an outlier because it does. Re- uh, um, Continue to have very strong unions. However, the Socialist Party essentially collapsed. Uh, it began to collapse under the pitiful performance of yeah. the Hollande right. government yeah. and was torn between its neoliberal and its its less neoliberal uh, wings. But as as you saw, essentially uh, under Benoit Hamon uh, in the 2017 election, it, pour, it performed extremely po- poorly and no longer re- represents a viable left in, mm-hmm. in in France. And its position was, you know, in some ways, um, it, it, the, many of the uh, members of the Socialist Party either went over to Mélenchon and mm-hmm. the and the left party um, and about had split with the socialist earlier or they or they went and and went with um, with macron and his new um, uh, movement um, the Communist Party would had been you know, severely weakened as well. Although the unions associated with it are are strong, so essentially the socialist party has collapsed, uh, which is a you know was slow in coming, and its collapse is 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 larger than the social democrat. But this is part of the tragedy of Europe: is that the left is, you know, the mainstream left has essentially collapsed over the last. Uh, uh, You know, few 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 years no longer provides a viable political alternative. Uh, What was interesting in the case of France, as it in Europe, the divide is not so much between right and left, but as as Marine Le Pen said, between nationalist and globalist. So you had the nationalists, which were there were three prominent, somewhat more nationalist figures, obviously Le Pen. Being perhaps most identified with the nationalist position, the loan of the traditional Republicans in uh, uh, staking out um, a moderate nationalist, moderate uh-huh. European reform uh, program, and Melichon, who was uh, championing from the left a, a, um, a, a nationalist. The, the the Europeanist and globalist were essentially Macron and and, um, and, and Hamon the, of the Socialist Party, um, and of course in the primaries the uh, you know the the, uh, the nationalist won by uh, a small margin or or uh, won over the the globalists but but the strongest nationalist. Um, Marine Le Pen and the Patriotic Front was uh, was also the one that was least acceptable and the one that was most easily demonized uh-huh. by by in by the French uh, press and establishment. Meaning that that Macron then had an easy path to victory. The globalist the Europeanist had an easy path to victory. Uh,
0: interesting. Yeah, Marine Le Pen uh, was with the. National Front is is what I thought the title of it was but that was prior she tried to clean up the image i guess somehow cuz they were pretty flat out racist and and nationalist as well but
1: yeah under her father but yes. but uh, she she essentially was pursuing a left nationalist economic really? agenda it it's called the red brown agenda um red you know brown. conservative in terms of uh, appeal to to working working class uh, concerns on immigration, but left in appealing to to a nationalist uh, uh, industrial policy and protectionism, and and boosting national living standards, and and um, distancing France from from the European Union and from from global capitalism in in some ways not so much different than Melichon. um uh, so you know the two the the three sort of um, you know runners up in terms of le pen Fillon, and and uh we were all in a more nationalist um Nationalist posture, and I would say in each all their cases, even even Marine Le Pen, I would call a healthy nationalism and not a xenophobic nationalism, um, oh. uh, because her her agenda actually was quite, you know, on on in terms of what she was articulating. Yes, given that there were some members of her party that were poor, you know, probably more, uh, you know more um, had more nationalist populist edge, there may have been some questions but but in terms of her formal agenda it was it was somewhat uh, you know a combined uh, sort of um, you know left economic nationalism with mm-hmm. a certain gaulism in some ways even
0: so. well that's certainly uh, of course the american press who knows. My sense was, uh, it, it was kind of presented here as kind of a fearsome picture of the the National Front and, and Le Pen continuing, uh, you know, with and some uh, degree of, of of racism in there. I mean, nationalism has. I, I wonder what this means. The, the The triumph of of Macron, at least for now, for both nationalism, which has been on the rise throughout much of Europe, uh, and and. You know, left leaning socialism, the the party of uh, Jean Luc Mélenchon. Uh, you know, what does this say about the forward movement of nationalism and or left leaning socialism, or is it too early to tell? I mean, I, I suppose he has to have some right. successes. Right. Well,
1: I, I I think I think one of the missing pieces that we should add to the story before we can fully tackle that question is you. You talked about how the U.S. press characterized um, what, but what has changed in France is essentially the media and mm. and the sort of cultural um, establishment elites who have become decidedly uh, more uh, European exceptionalist and more. Uh, more globalist and more neoliberal in their orientations, so they they essentially exercised or or carried out campaigns to destroy um, the whoever would have been the principal challenger to to Macron, who became the darlings of the professional cultural elites. In France and uh, and and global capital in that sense, um, so they 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 were able to you know through these stories of corruption and there may have been some corruption, but not unusual for France in terms of the loan and the employment of his his wife. So they got rid of the right nationalist. Then they they got rid of uh, then they they. Uh, used, you know, Macron as sort of the uh, used uh, Marine Le Pen uh, to uh-huh. to uh, disparage and to drive, you know, um, enthusiasm towards uh, Macron, and they also, when Melchon started to do do too well, and it, he was a left nationalist. Um, very critical of the European Union in many respects, mm-hmm. also you know questioning I- immigration in a nationalist oh. way um, so that that uh, the press began to go after him. <laughs> uh, of course oh. he, since he came in uh, came in fourth uh, they didn't have to uh-huh. do a With full teardown job of of him but but what had changed in France was, had changed, begun with, to change with Sarkozy, uh, changed further with Hollande, and then then reached its apex in terms of the 2017 presidential, and that is the dominance of a uh, a French elite that no longer are driven by Gaullism or Mitterrandism, but but essentially by by. Uh, European exceptionalism and neoliberalism mm-hmm. by European exceptionalism I mean the the European equivalent to American exceptionalism which is a promotion the the aggressive promotion of 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 their notion of neoliberal European values both within Europe but 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 in the Middle East and, and internationally in foreign policy, mm-hmm. such that France became a major interventionist force in in Libya and Syria again. After unlike unlike the Chirac uh, government, which opposed the Iraq War, uh, mm. so there was a fairly dramatic change.
0: Wow, this is fascinating stuff. This uh, European exceptionalism and and the rise of Europe, sort of a united Europe, as you're describing it with some elites uh, interesting uh, political phenomenon that I think a lot of Americans are not aware of. I thought it was it's interesting. right but
1: but still but still sort of the European exceptionalism is also chap, trapped by german dominant, well, economic dominance that. in in so so European exceptionalism sort of increases as Europe itself, as the growth of a federal Europe, is stunted because of resistance of Germans' economic and, cult- and conservative t- elite to 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 pursue the kind of you know true risk sharing and and mm. and the, the sort of true kind of european federal policies that would be needed for for europe uh, uh not to to escape the debt and austerity that it's been working with for the last or have been under strain by for the last um, you know uh, hmm. uh six to eight years now
0: yeah the the uh the debt is a is a big deal certainly and My impression here, again, as a typical American, I suppose, is that uh, uh, Angela Merkel, or Germany, has been the dominant power in Europe. In the May 1st New York Times editorial, they seem to be praising Macron quite a bit. They, They say as part of it, Mr. Macron's goal from the outset of his presidency has been to assert France as the leader on global issues like climate change, European unity, and resistance to right-wing nationalism and authoritarianism. Is there sort of a competition between uh, France and Germany? Gosh, we've seen that competition boil over a few times. But uh, is it possible that, that France may be, uh, under Macron, sort of competing with uh, with Germany as, as being the uh, the leader?
1: Well, there was a hope, if you remember, after... Macron's election that Macron and Merkel would, would, uh, would um, sort establish um,
0: sort of unity and
1: reaffirm confidence in Europe's future and
0: yeah.
1: theref- w- therefore be an answer to the growing nationalism and populism that one saw in various European uh, countries and oh, particularly yeah. in some of the Central East European yes. uh, c- c- countries. And the notion was that uh, that there was going to be a bargain that Mm. Germany uh, would welcome Macron's election and the defeat of Marine Le Pen and nationalists in France by agreeing or working with Macron on some of these European his European reform agenda, which was to make Europe more work work better and and and. And sort of pursue the more Europe. Uh, the, the, there's sort of a rhetorical agreement between the Germans and the French uh, in terms of Macron and, and Merkel that, that the solution to Europe's problems is more Europe. And this is sort of the, amongst the established European elites, more Europe is the answer. But, but the problem is that there's severe limitations of what, um, even if. Merkel herself would be willing to go along with some of the uh, reforms, with establishing a European finance minister and a and a European budget, and doing some uh, sharing of risk on on European debt. That the that her coalition, in terms of the CDU and CSU, um, and if she's um, uh, even when she's in coalition with the with social democrats, there's se- severe limits on how far the German economic elites are to 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 go towards accepting. Their big worry is that 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 uh, Europe may become a a um, a transfer union or a backdoor transfer union, and that Germany will take on the the problems and shortcomings of other European European economies. Uh, Germany, being the most the biggest economic, most powerful country in in in, German, in Europe economically, should uh, should be uh, would uh, has a has a economic philosophy that is uh, uniquely unsuited to a leadership role.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, in the sense that it it is essentially a neo uh, neoliberal, neo mercantilist, low wage, export uh, oriented economy, in a, and that's not that doesn't make for a healthy Eurozone union. That um, and so uh, there, Mac- Macron and Merkel still hope to put forward a common European reform roadmap for the meeting in end of June to guide European but it will be fall far short of what uh, Macron um, ideally wanted and it will fall far short of what Europe uh, needs if you're a if you're a, of the view that there has to be closer Euro, Eurozone <clears throat> inter, integration or european union in, in, integration and the creation of stronger federal federal institutions
0: and what about the 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 middle class you know i i can't remember which of America's founders uh talked about how you, democracy really depends on having a solid middle class it's kind of dangerous if there's, you know, a few very wealthy people and a lot of people who are not wealthy. It's certainly, uh, democracy has been undermined rather substantially by that dynamic here in the United States. What about in in, in Europe? Is there, uh, you know, is is the left uh, appealing to that? Is there uh, a big separation between the few rich and everybody else? Or is there A relatively strong middle class, and I would think that would be really important for uh, the future.
1: Well, in Europe, what you're seeing is a is a um, version of the hollowing out of the middle class that Uh, hmm. is much more evident in the United States. So you have a a slow erosion of the middle class in in Europe. Uh, There's greater protections, labor, and and in terms of social spending and provisions, but, but it's it's taking a toll, which is one of the reasons why you have the rise of, sure. of nationalism and, and 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 populism. Um and there's not the sort of grave great wealth differentials or disparities in the sense that that the that there there's you know, fewer fewer people, partly because you don't have this this um, rigged IPO culture, this rigged equity market culture, where where whereby um, a certain class of bankers in mm. Silicon Valley companies can essentially uh, become billionaires or over overnight mm-hmm. through through the 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 market um, yeah, the offering process. Government. There's there's greater constraints in terms of European, but you do have the the similar phenomenal where the top ten to twenty percent that are connected to to um, increasingly are gaining more share in the mm-hmm. economy at the expense of the the next um, 60 or 70 percent mm-hmm. and then then you do have I think um, uh, in, in in Europe you 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 also have two additional problems you have high levels of unemployment in most countries except for for Germany which means you have a class of people mm-hmm. that are are much more dependent on on the on on the government, and you have uh, a larger, increasing larger percentage of foreign-born immigrants in many of these economies, yes. who are also a significant um, in, in 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 Europe in many European countries. This is definitely true—a drain on the on the formal economy. They may have a very active informal economy in many many sense, but 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 um, you know, it's it um it it is a you do have um large numbers of immigrants that are competing right. uh competing for sc- increasingly scarce mm. state state resources
2: so there dollars. there
1: there is an objective sort of um logical logical sort of connection between some of the anti-immigrant because it, uh, 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 many working people are are in fact being 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 hurt. The yes. Increasing well, increasing spending on law and order, in a right. sense, takes away money spent on and you know settling one million refugees from the Middle East, as wow. Germany did, uh, certainly added a a burden that would have been better, probably better spent on on. A, Improving Germany's infrastructure is well, what else, quite weak and falling apart.
0: And uh, um, what else are they going to do? I mean, there there is this whole. I mean, that that's a big uh, political uh, factor, I would think, becoming perhaps more so. A lot of immigrants from Muslim countries. I mean, you know, France used to be an empire, and it seems like as with happens with so many empires, it comes crashing back. On itself, the people who you colonized come back uh, to, to do it now. He's, I understand, he's passed.
1: Right. There's there, there's two waves. There's there's okay. many many people of North African descent from the empire and sure. parts of the Middle East that have been in France for 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 many many years. And there there are the problems is the creation of these ghettos and slums where the Second generation really don't have jobs. Uh, you know, youth unemployment amongst the North African you know, young men and women of North African descent are you know twenty five, thirty, thirty five percent. And crime is a major crime, and drugs are a major problem. Partly, it's 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 sort of like uh, problems of you know the lack of integration. And then there's a the second wave that has come from the disasters. The American and French-led disasters in the Middle East, in yeah. terms of uh, uh, Libya and, and and Syria, and and um, you know increasingly the global war on terror in 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 Africa, um, which is sending large numbers of people through Libya into into Europe, sure. or through Morocco, or or through Turkey.
0: So. Yeah, that's it's got to be very very difficult for him. I mean, as, as we say, you know, we recognize that a lot of the Muslim countries, uh, again, part of, uh, well, Hillary Clinton's uh, toppling of the government in in Libya created a terrible uh, human catastrophe, and and now you know Syria, uh, how is this affecting? I mean, he's he's fighting. Macron is fighting terrorism, but, but, but also
1: one of the yeah Libya and Syria, but but don't forget the um, the all the the increasing active what Barack Obama did was greatly not only um, not only start new conflicts in Ukraine and Syria but he greatly expanded the global war on terror in Africa and so a lot of those uh, economic and and war refugees are actually from the Niger's and Somalia's and the Sudanese who are it's that the Libya opened up the pathway for them wow. to make it to Europe, Great. and so what's really strange is how how pro American European elites and populists has been, or the French bear some some of the hmm. blame, obviously. But but the U S has created the U S policy of war. And chaos and regime change in the Middle East and Africa has created enormous security and economic and cultural problem for Europe, and yet they seem seem to want to cling to cling to the to the U.S. It's one of the great mysteries in in in, in, in current international
0: relations. It certainly is a mystery to me. Which brings up what we had to talk about uh, Macron's. Bromance, as they call it, with Trump, I would think that would be highly risky for for uh, Macron in France. If he's viewed as a lapdog to Trump, I would think that would seriously threaten his political career. And the fact that Macron went along with this attack on Syria, the mis- the one time missile attack on Syria, how how is that all doing his relations with with uh, with Trump? I mean, here my sense is. He did what I consider, according to my values, to be kind of a good thing, you know, in, in speaking to Congress about some of the issues that the rest of the world uh, cares about and having significant uh, international stature. But how is all that playing his his bromance with Trump? How is that playing politically in France these days?
1: Well, uh, Macron has uh, been subject to some some uh, criticism for um participating in the um, in the uh, attack sin. on, st- on Syria but 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 I think you have it somewhat an in incomplete picture okay. or uh, or I would put it differently Macron is the one that that is reasserting French uh, neo-colonial neo-imperial position
2: really? in
1: terms of 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 um, in Syria and, and actually in, undertook the um, the uh, joined in with the UK in part because he's trying to convince Trump to stay in 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 Syria and to have a more active program to thwart the Assad government and and growing. Uh, Iranian and Russian sure. influence in 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 the in the Middle East. So in this sense, uh, Macron is taking France in the same direction as Sarkozy and Hollande did, which is in a in a um, humanitarian imperialist mm. um, neocolonial colonial d- direction. And he's the one that's pushing Trump to be more militaristic in oh terms of. In terms of 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 sy- Syria, and so the you know the France we once knew as sort of the gullist, independent, sort of um, suspicious of NATO, suspicious of U.S. interventions. You know, if you remember that very eloquent uh, U.N. Security Council address at Villepont, uh, for, Foreign Minister Villepont of Chirac's government pleading, you know, that that the you know stating all the good reasons why the US shouldn't uh, invade Iraq that France unfortunately has been lost for the last uh, 5 to 5 to 8 years because much of the much of the sort of cultural and political elite are pretty much lined up between behind a much more militaristic and interventionist French French foreign policy. So in some ways, France Macron is pushing Trump to be um, to stay to stay in se- Syria and be and be and be very active. Where they disagree is is on the uh, you know to some degree is on uh, the value of the the agreement with nuclear agreement right. with with uh, Iran and you know total. Um, uh, has you know made some major financial commitments, investments in Iran, and and uh, Macron's very close to the head of Total, and so I'm well, sure that, company, huh? that French economic interests, just as they are with Saudi Arabia, are 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 somewhat somewhat uh, in 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 play. I wow. think the hmm. the the Macron spun it as 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 it's sort of um, Macron's grander delusion, where he's 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 standing, you know, uh, standing up to Trump, standing up to Putin, standing up to even Merkel to some degree. It, it, you know, Hollande be, was so known as both Merkel's lapdog uh-huh. and, and Barack Obama's uh-huh. lapdog that I think the French have come to accept uh, and find. Macron's sort of audacity in pursuing these things a little better than uh, Hollande, Hollande's sort of um, passive, uh, you know, uh, passive acceptance uh, routine in some respects. So in that in that sense, I think it plays better with the French, the French than it. Uh, but the French mm-hmm. media and, and cultural cl- classes are so behind an aggressive French. Um, really uh, uh, militarist them. policy part of the french european american exceptionalist they're um, quite uh, uh, you know they 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 have led the way in some ways in changing Europe and changing france and,
0: very interesting we're learning a lot about uh who this macron guy really is uh, and and how What's going on in France? I certainly uh, didn't know about. We're talking, Bert Cohen here on Keeping Democracy alive. We're talking with Cheryl Schwenninger, who is founding director of the World Economic Roundtable, who knows uh, quite a bit about uh, French politics, French government, and uh, European stuff that uh, does affect us quite a bit. Now, after that rather odd uh get together in uh the Oval Office between Trump and and Macron. He gave a speech to Congress, which was received very, very well. It was a big hit, at least with the Democrats. And so after buddying up with Trump, he not only strongly rejected extreme nationalism and trade wars, he also at least seemed to make a strong effort to convince Trump not to abandon the Iran nuclear deal and how, what's your sense of, of how it went? Did he soften Trump's rigid stance? Does, is there something going on here that enables Trump to say, well, we're going to back out of the deal with Iran and yet work with the European powers, Macron and others, to, to bolster it somehow, to save face for everybody involved? What what are your thoughts on this, Sean?
1: Well, m- my reading is m- Macron uh, reinforced the the neo neocon neoliberal agenda in the in the U.S., oh, which is <laughs> to turn the issues to all these additional conditions on uh-huh. onto Iran. Even though Macron wants to keep the underlying agreement, he has essentially embraced and is now one of the strongest proponents of the what is the the Trump agenda that that um, and actually it's a very bipartisan agenda on on Iran, which is you know we 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 put um, conditions and and sanctions on right. because of their ballistic missile uh, program we we put uh, additional conditions and sanctions on because of their role in in regional conflicts, particularly their role. In in connection to Hezbollah and their their participation in Iraq and in Iran, and we we try to find some ways that will lock them out of any nuclear program um, right. uh, per, per, permanently, not not just sure. through twenty twenty five. So I hardly see Macron's. Uh, uh, being very helpful to getting to what I think uh, should be a more a wiser and more hopeful policy or strategy uh, tw- toward towards Iran, he he is essentially just reinforced. Um, so in his in his congressional talk. He engaged in, I think, some empty, empty escapism rhetoric, uh, which um, which doesn't deal with any sort of real international realities on globalism and nationalism on the one hand, and secondly, he ended up endorsing Trump's Trump's and most of actually most of the congressional uh, agenda of getting tougher on Iran on all these. On all the issues that I think actually matter, which is in terms of you know uh, whether you're going to accept R- Iran as a legitimate um, right. a legi- legitimate uh, a player sure. in 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 the, in, the, in the Middle East, it has its own security concerns and sure. and issues
0: Wow, and what about i mean uh, Trump is very you know he he's with the the far right in america on you know israel can do no wrong and you know right there with netanyahu against any kind of palestinian state what about uh, i would think the the public would have perhaps a different point of view in france but maybe not what is macron's position on the israel palestine thing
1: well this is somewhat uncomfortable for macron because macron is 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 i i think Driven more by the the, the Saudi-Israeli um, agenda, um, which is quite compatible. It, it's a milder mm-hmm. version of, of the, the Trump Trump agenda, but the the French public on on this issue is is you know much more sympathetic to the Palestinian
2: I would issues
1: and much more critical of Israel. So it, it, it is a potential. Point of some vulnerability for for Macron in his in his in his foreign foreign policy.
0: Um, well, just a little uh, prognostication here for the future. Now he's just started. Macron was just elected in 2017. Hollande started out pretty strong and popular, and then went fizzled pretty quickly. Any sense of how is Macron? Figuring it out better, or, or does he have sustainability? Do you think is he reaching people, and is there that trust there in his power?
1: Well, I think I, I think as in all of these questions of national leader, I mean, there's questions of sort of leadership and integrity. There's there's le- le- questions about you know the the uh, appropriateness of their policy, but. But to a large degree they're also very much um, prisoners of how well the European economy and global economy mm. did. So if, if you noticed there was you know there has been a fairly healthy European recovery in 2017 but, and therefore his popularity um, it, it declined uh, somewhat and, and then when the economy was, um, strong in in November and December, his popularity mm-hmm. uh, recovered a little bit. Mm-hmm. But now the uh, European economy has begun to weaken again a little bit. So, so I think uh, in the end um, that uh, that I'm not sure that Mac- Mac- I think Macron is determined to push through his reforms, which will will cause a lot of economic disruption and turmoil and oh, wow. and are attacking some of the sacred third rails of, um, yeah. of French life in terms of the public, you know, the railroads and public administration, etc. Oh, to uh, and therefore, I think his, um, and, I, I, you know, I don't think he will be successful in his positioning you know, his positioning of France vis-à-vis Syria and Iran, I think, will not be successful either, and nor he'll get some token changes from Merkel. But ultimately, he will be... Therefore, his fate will will depend on how well the French economy and mm. European economy does in terms of whether there's a continued... A continued recovery or whether France, um, uh, you know, France continues to be a mediocre uh, performer in a, in a weak, if it, being a mediocre performer in a strong European economy is one thing, being a mediocre performer in a weak European economy is not is not a prescription for political success.
0: Well, leave it at that. We'll leave it at that indeed. And it's always the economy, so it seems. Cheryl Schwenninger, thank you so much. Very, very informative about uh, what's going on in France uh, with uh, Macron. Thank you so much for being with us. And we're going to end with the uh, Macron theme song from his campaign. Thanks so much for being with us.
1: Uh, Thank you, Bert, for having me.